0: Sure, it is. Hello? Hey. See, this just confirms that I was not cool enough to be out on the stage yet. So, good morning. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're here. We're going to get through this together. Will you pray for me? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're starting a series, like Jen talked about, called uh, Come Together. And uh, the whole idea is what would happen in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and just in the world if we just walked across the street with the gospel. If we started taking Jesus a little more seriously when he gives us these commands and we just walked across the street. You see, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40, he's asked this, and it says this, starting in verse 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it: Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments." The second most important thing about life. Second only to loving God completely is to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's interesting that even though he's asked what is the greatest commandment, he goes on to say what the second greatest commandment is because he ties these two things together. Almost like you cannot love God with your entire heart, soul, mind, and strength unless you love your neighbor as yourself. And so here is the bottom line truth for the day. The only thing that we want to be walking out with today, hopefully, is just this. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. I know that's shocking, you know, but it's just true. It's just this bottom basic truth of Christianity. We need to love our neighbors. When I was 21... I went on a canoeing trip with three of my best friends. And it was there that I came the closest to death that I've ever been, and I saw what it meant to love uh, your neighbor as yourself. So maybe the death part was a little bit of an exaggeration, but let me tell you what happened. I went to Algonquin National Park in Canada when I was 21. It was the year before my senior year in college, and we just wanted to go and take a trip. We were just away from it all for a couple of days. And so we drove north for a long time, And if you ask directions from me towards Algonquin National Park, I'll just say, go north. That's all I know about it, because I was in the backseat the whole time. But we got up there, and I remember being very, very, very unbelievably unprepared for this trip. The night before, when I started packing, the night before we left, when I started packing, I was packing all my stuff together, and Emily, who was then my girlfriend, said to me, Adam, don't you think you should take some warmer clothes? I said, Emily, it's August, and we're backpacking. You want to keep your backpack light, you know, trying to show how much of an outdoorsman I was? You want to keep your backpack light, and plus i got my sleeping bag, so I'm totally fine, you know? Uh, on the first night, I had to borrow sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And when we got the tent out, uh, we were putting the tent up, which I was responsible for bringing. We got the tent out, and my friends were like, hey, Adam, where's the rain fly? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? It's not in there. And so we had to take the tarp that was meant for the bottom of the the tent and put it on the top so that rain didn't come in because in August it is cold and rainy in Canada. I'm convinced it's cold and rainy in Canada always, and so if you go up there, bring a coat. Okay, that's my advice for you. Uh, But when we we spent the whole weekend not getting rain you know, put on us from the top because we put the tarp on top of us, but rain was seeping in through the bottom. And so we were cold and rainy uh, and wet the whole week because one of us forgot the rain fly. I still can't remember who on the trip did that, but we were on the way back from the trip and there's this little one and a half lane road, this like insanely long, but small road that got you back into the wilderness where we had unloaded our canoe and we we had gone, um, and we were driving, and we hadn't seen anybody that day. In fact, when we were driving in, we didn't see anybody on that road. And so we're driving, and we're you know, going at a decent speed because there's no one on this road. It's just us, and there's, it's a one-and-a-half-lane road. We're going to be totally fine. And then in the distance, I see a six-wheeled death truck coming towards us at a speed which is irresponsible at best. Okay? And so this truck's coming past us, and I think, we're not going to fit. Like, the two of us cars are not going to fit because we're in a Honda Civic. We've done our part to get past on this road together. You're in a monster truck. You're being selfish in this moment, you know? And so they're coming towards us. On the left side of us is a mountain. On the right side of us is still a mountain, but the cliff part of it. So it's just down. And I'm in the passenger seat, and this truck's coming towards us. They get the mountain as a buffer. We get a cliff as certain doom. And so we're driving past it. And I remember thinking as we're passing it, like, slow down. You know, like, we could slow down a little bit. But I don't know if male competitiveness kicked in for my friend who was driving, but we just kept going at a full speed, like, we're going to make this. And so as we passed the truck, I went you know, cause that helps. So I just get skinny you know? and we, uh, we passed the truck and we made it past. And then I thought, Oh, that was great. That was, you know, some excitement. And then all of a sudden we just went Boop, and we're just driving kind of like this and I'm like, Oh no, this is not good. And I remember thinking kind of eerily peacefully, this is how I die goodbye, cruel world, you know, and so we're just like slowly teetering down a cliff, and our car just kind of, it's then that my friend is like, I should stop, you know, I should slow down, but he didn't hit the brakes, he just kind of coasted, and so we're slowly going down this cliff, and then we just stop, and then we stop, and I see up in front a tree, a half tree that was broken off, but it was holding our whole car. And I promise you, this is not an exaggeration, because the only thing that we knew how to do when we got out of the car was take a picture, because we were dumb college students. And so we took this picture, yep, we took this picture, and if you can see in the top right of that is the half tree that genuinely saved our lives. Like, that's what caught us. Otherwise, We're goners. There's no other trees. I can see the river that formed this mountain that was supposed to be the end of us, but I love that tree. I didn't go down to try to kiss it because I, you know, tempted fate with that cliff once. I wasn't going to do it again. But uh, we're, we're standing there, and we stood around for a good half hour, as men do, when they're in a problem that they don't know how to solve. We didn't even think to ask for help. We just started talking about how we could solve this ourselves. And I mean, I know I'm pretty strong, but we weren't just going to try to just pick the car up off the cliff. But We're like, we got to do something. There was no cell phone service. We were a good 12 to 15 miles until there was a paved road. And so we're like, okay, we got to split up. Two of us have to stay here. And two of us have to go uh, and start a walk back towards civilization. And then a second car pulled up again these are the two cars we saw the whole trip. They happen to be on the same time, in, you know, one after the other. And this car pulled up, and we're a little bit skeptical because the first car sent us almost to our doom, and so we don't know what the second car is going to do. We don't like Canada at this moment. you know. And so this car pulls up, and then he just stops. And I remember him saying to us, got your car stuck there, eh? <laughs> to, which, to which Geringer, my friend, responded, they really talk like that. And I was like, be cool, man, like chill. And so uh, the, this, this Canadian guy gave up the rest of his day the rest of his day. He drove us all back into town. He's like, your car will be fine. Just come with me. Um, He got us some food. He made sure that we called this certain towing company because he knew this certain towing company, and he knew that they weren't going to overcharge us, and they weren't going to ask us to do anything crazy, and he followed the tow truck company back with us to make sure the tow truck company did what they said they were doing. I mean, he was the nicest Canadian man in the history of the world, and actually, maybe he's just a Canadian person, but I don't know. He was nice to us in this moment, and so he followed but he gave up his whole day until our car was pulled off the cliff and he said we'll test it like we don't necessarily have to to get any work done just test it and see if you can drive it home and it worked and he was like okay you guys be safe on your way home like, let, us, let us give you some money let us give you some, something do you want all of the stuff that we have because you can have it he's like oh no I'm just glad you guys are safe be safe on your way home good luck guys and he just left I've never seen that man again, but I'll never forget him. Because when someone loves their neighbor as themselves, it sticks with you. And we have this command to love our neighbors. And so again, the bottom line truth for the day is we need to love our neighbors. In Luke chapter 10, an expert of the law stands up. And he's trying to test Jesus. And he he asks the same question that was asked of him in Matthew 22. And he says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't even see fit. And Luke Luke doesn't see fit to break it up into two different commands. It's just he adds on, and your neighbor as yourself. And so the expert of the law who's trying to test Jesus then asks, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds with a familiar story. The parable Uh, or the story of the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open up to Luke 10, 30-37, it says this. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Go and see and find and heal the needs of the people around you. A couple of things stick out to me about this passage. It's not just the two men that passed by, one being a priest, the religious elite, one being a Levite, which would have been considered the, the common man, but it was a Samaritan. It was a Samaritan, the one who would have you know, been equivalent to the lowest of the low socially back then, that was considered the neighbor to the man because he went above and beyond. He went beyond to make sure that this guy got full restoration from the need that he was in. He paid for the extra, the extra expenses at the end. He loved his neighbor, and that made him a neighbor to the man. And so Jesus is painting this picture that your neighbor is anyone who is in need or anyone who you can help meet the need of. And so really, your neighbor is anyone. Your neighbor is anyone that you can see and interact with and help in any way. And who you can show the kingdom of God to by the way that you live your life open-handed and generously and standing on truth and unafraid of what the world might throw at you. Anyone that you can be Jesus' representation to, that is your neighbor. I don't know what you think about when you hear this story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, but I oftentimes, when I read it, think through it and think, oh, I would definitely... Stop.